I'm live on YouTube. I'm live on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. And if you'll just have a little patience, I will be live on Facebook Live. And that's when we'll be official. Not that Facebook makes things official. Yes, now we're official, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, welcome to the Saturday night edition of Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. This is the uh, your daily reprieve from all the anger, anxiety, and hoopla going on in the world today. It's something that we started doing right after the uh, lockdown in March, when, of course, we thought if we were all locked down for two or three months, things would get better. But then a whole bunch of people decided that uh, they didn't feel like being locked down, and they all went out, and uh, instead of being locked down, they went out and did a lot of licking up. And if you're out doing a licking up when you're supposed to be a lockdown, you can have a lot of mess. So, uh, but we're still going to get through it and we're still going to have a good time. And let me say now, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Uh, a couple things on that. Uh, I am a liberal. Everybody knows I'm a liberal. I've been a Democrat since the day I was born. I'll be a Democrat till the day I die. Uh, I um, uh, have an ideological bent towards liberalism. Uh, which oftentimes is not uh, seen in um, uh, uh, progressive in progressive politics, but certainly seen in liberal politics and liberal ideology. But people say, as a liberal, Tony, do you think that you should or we should celebrate Fourth of July Independence Day when we know about all of the bad things that happened under the banner of America? And to you, I say this. Yes, A, it's a day off. Not today, it's Saturday. Kind of a ripoff. Kind of a ripoff when uh, holidays fall on the weekend because, you know, the weekend's the weekend anyway. But we should celebrate it, and I will celebrate it because despite all the uh, 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 bad things that may have happened under the umbrella of America, a lot of great things happened under the umbrella of America. And as far as celebrating birthdays, uh, problematic birthdays, if this one is such a thing, and I'm not saying it is. Uh, I got plenty of friends who um, uh, were convicts who are now out of jail, and uh, uh, I celebrate their birthday. I tell them happy birthday. So if I will celebrate an ex-con's birthday, I will certainly celebrate America's birthday. I'll celebrate. I've known people have drove drunk for 10 years solid, and then quit. I'm talking about myself. Uh, and I still celebrate my own birthday. So uh, we get to celebrate this birthday, uh, and that is that. Um, the other thing is, though, uh, whenever anybody's enjoying a holiday, you're enjoying Fourth of July, you're enjoying Labor Day. By the way, Labor Day is the one day when no one puts up a lot of memes going, you don't even know the real reason for this holiday. You think it's just a time to barbecue and go to the store, but you don't understand. Nobody says that on Labor Day. Labor Day is the celebration of the working man. That's what it is. Nobody goes, you don't know the real meaning of Labor Day. A lot of people had to really fight to be able to get time and a half. Yeah. But they say it on Memorial Day, and they say it on Easter, and they say it on Christmas, you know, and they'll say it on Juneteenth, and, you know, they're going to say it on Fourth of July. You don't know the real meaning. Well, let me tell you my philosophy on all of that, okay? I was raised working class, working class poor. My dad worked at a factory. My mom would work. Uh, he worked at a factory. He would get laid off a lot. He worked at a carburetor factory. They'd go through model change or shift change or strikes. He'd be out of work. And then when he was out of work, 
My mom went to work at a factory called Brown Shoe uh, that paid even worse. It was a non-union factory, I believe, than uh, regular factories did. And we lived in a three-family flat in North St. Louis. And a day off, and what had become a paid day off, was important because you didn't get to spend enough time with your family. For them, their, their job was not their career. You know, the people at work, they're, they're my life. They're my friends. Uh, they weren't like that. They didn't like their jobs. They didn't go, whoopee, I get to go sit at an assembly line for 12 hours. You know, where Red just lost his foot the other day because someone dropped something on it. They worked to live. They didn't live to work. And the work was hard. It was hard. So when they got a day off, they got to spend time with their family. And by the way, we never went anywhere. We didn't have money. We didn't get money to go to Disneyland or, or to the uh, whatever, you know, go to the ocean or, or uh, look at Shamu. What we did on holidays is we went to each other's houses. Went to my grandmother's on Christmas. Our house on Thanksgiving. I forget where we went Easter. I think it went back and forth. You know, on the 4th of July, that was a day for family, for brothers and sisters and moms and dads and kids all to get together in a backyard, usually a brick backyard with a homemade barbecue grill. A brick backyard with a homemade barbecue grill and have your wife yell at you from the kitchen, is it ready yet? You're burning it. Okay? And that's what it was. And you got to drink beer and stare off into the distance. So when people complain about the way people act on holidays, it's not just a day to barbecue and shop. That's what it was to them. Because the next day they're going to go and work their ass off again in some big, ugly, unair conditioned building where my dad worked uh, in the die cast department where sparks were flying all the time. And he came home with burn holes in his shirt all over the place from little pieces of hot metal hitting his shirt. So when he got a day off from that, no matter if it was because Christ had risen or a war had ended, or they were celebrating the fact that people worked, they barbecued, they drank beer, they listened to the radio, which came in and out, which they sat in the window, usually a ball game, and they got to relax for a little bit. And that's what 4th of July means to me. Okay, all right. Um, so if you're out there barbecuing, uh, if you're barbecuing on, if you barbecue on Christmas, that's kind of weird, I guess. I don't know. You have barbecue on Christmas? Maybe. I think I have barbecued on Christmas. As a matter of fact, this year for Christmas, I'm barbecuing. That's another thing, okay? All right, when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, uh, the big, one of the big debates in America, besides should we nuke Russia before Russia nukes us, that was, one of the, uh, that was the big debate. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, there was a screaming from the pulpit in the Catholic Church, in the Baptist Church, in the Protestant Church, Protestant covers a lot, but you know, it covers Episcopalians and, and uh, it covers Baptists too, although Baptists were like a separate Protestant thing. Lutherans screaming about the commercialization of the birth of Christ. They're saying this is the day, a holy, sacred day, where we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, and you shouldn't be out shopping. It shouldn't be about Santa Claus and Christmas trees and presents. And all of America listened to what they said. And then we built our whole goddamned economy around it. <laughs> For the next 20, 30, 40 years, our entire economy was built around people going out and spending money on useless crap. Somewhere from right after Thanksgiving 
up till about a little after uh, New Year's Day. Christmas sales, Christmas sales. We built an entire economy on buying cameras that we didn't need and doodads and trinkets and games and for the toy, games and toys for the kids. That's what we built it around. And nowadays, you hardly ever hear a peep from anyone about you're, you've lost the true meaning of Christmas. True meaning of Christmas, a time of giving and family and love and spirituality was lost a long time ago because we were able to get rich off of it. Rich, I tell you. So when I see your memes on social media decrying the fact that somebody's not understanding the true meaning of a holiday, I tell you, just roll away the stone in your brain and enjoy the day. Enjoy the day. And I think now more than ever, we know it's important to enjoy each and every day that we have. And I've been enjoying today. And I hope you've been enjoying today, too. Uh, Diane Hall says, homemade ice cream, corn of the cob, a cherry pie, and jello, because it was there, and there's always room for jello, and watermelon. Kids running around with sparklers, a perfect Midwest fourth. Yes, yes, that's true. Although we never had homemade ice cream. Nobody did that. We just got cheap ice cream. But uh, I get it. But yeah, you're damn right about corn on the cob. Corn on the cob, yum. It's a little uh, dicey for me to eat at this uh, late stage in my uh, existence. Uh, but uh, yeah, corn on the cob with a lot of salt and a lot of butter. You just slathered it up and you put it on a paper plate. Pork steaks was the food of the day when I was growing up because beef was too damned expensive. You know, I had hamburgers. You had hamburgers once a week. Pork steaks. And here's how people in the Midwest cooked pork steaks. And I was explaining this to my, uh, my lovely wife uh, today. Okay, is that you put them on a grill, and we didn't, you know what, we didn't even have a regular barbecue grill, you know how you go out and buy a barbecue grill now, three burner, and all this fancy shit, okay, uh, you didn't have that, what you had was they'd get an old wash tub left over from before there were electric washing machines, and pull the rollers off, and it already had legs on it, <coughs> and they poke holes in the bottom for air, and then they'd go and get a, a grill out of the stove and put it over the top of it, put charcoal in it, and that's how they barbecued. Over, they turned wash tubs into barbecue grills. But they barbecued pork because pork is cheap. Pork is cheap. Okay? But the way you barbecued in, Midwest, in the Midwest in St. Louis was with sauce. It is a sauce town. Sauce town. And what you do is you cook the pork for a while because you had to cook pork really well or you get the uh, trichinosis. And then once you got it cooked up good, you got a big old uh, like broiler pan. The kind that are blue with the white flecks in it. And you filled it up with barbecue sauce. And where I grew up, it was Malls barbecue sauce. Malls, which is hard to get now. Maybe you still can get it in St. Louis. I don't know. Malls barbecue sauce. And you put two or three bottles of that shit in there, along with some butter and some spices and stuff, so that you were making it your own. And you get that heated up till it started to boil, uh, bubbling some. And then you took your pork steaks and you threw it in there and let them simmer in there and cook in there. And I mean cook, because it's pork. If you don't cook it for a long time, uh, you'll get trichinosis. Uh, and if you're lucky, when you got your pork out, some of it had cooked so long and it sat at the bottom that some of the barbecue sauce caramelized around the edges. And damn, that was good. That's the food we ate. Uh, Tina Mike Lawson says, we used old barrels lined with fire brick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the uh, pools where uh, I used to work, the public pools, they would take 55-gallon drums and cut them in half. You cut them in half. And then put them on your side and then uh, weld or, or uh, 
hammer on with a rivet's legs so it was standing up and that became your barbecue grill. Okay? You didn't have any fancy burners, four burners and a burner on the side and temperature check and that kind of stuff. Uh, you knew it was done because it burnt your tongue. Is that done? Yeah, it's done. Oh, God. So happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. And damn it, if I have to go back to barbecuing in an old wash tub, I will. But I'm still barbecuing. All right, a couple things to tell you. Uh, we are taking the weekend off after tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, usually tomorrow we uh, have two things going on. We uh, usually have the 2 o'clock version of this show. Living on a thin line at 2 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, Arizona Time. And then at 7 o'clock we do... Uh, uh, Tony Vizek presents Sunday Night's Funnier. We've been doing this nonstop since uh, the whole pandemic deal started. But we need a day off, my lovely wife and I, who happens to also be producing this show. So we're taking the day off tomorrow. All right, we'll be back with you Monday. So I just thought I'd let you know that a lot of you have uh, become regular listeners and watchers, and we appreciate that so very much. Um, and if you're going to tune in tomorrow, we're not going to be here. Uh, we'll, we're going to be here. We just aren't turning any devices on. <laughs> and we're not, uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're not going uh, to do a paid show tomorrow night that I'll be coming back to you a week from tomorrow. So I thought I would let you know that. Uh, by the way, if you ever th still think about doing stand-up comedy classes, we just started a beginning workshop. It's small, so I can get you caught up quick. So if you want to join us this Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for our uh, beginning stand-up comedy workshop, then all you have to do is write me, Tony Vizek, at comedyschools at hotmail.com or leave me a message here on Facebook. I will get in touch with you personally and we'll get you going. All right. This show is built around three things. One of them's already going on. And one of them is questions and comments from you, our friends and family and listeners around the world. Um... Uh, let's see uh diane house says my grandma insisted on churning the ice cream yeah that you know what that makes sense um anyway um it's built around that uh, it's on three platforms comedy schools radio network.com youtube comedy schools channel and and here on facebook live paul whitney says happy fourth where are the sparklers all right okay the show that i have no pride right after this show Shirley did video me out by the pool with a sparkler in my hand, jumping in the pool. Okay? Now, I'm not in the shape I was when I was a young man, but I'm not bad for, I'll be 65 next month, by the way. They're little short, tiny videos of me jumping in the pool with a sparkler, talking about 4th of July. They're going to be posted on my Facebook right after this show. We did two. I'll put both of them up. I don't care. I don't care. So that's all happening, okay? What? Shirley said, just put one. We're actually having now a production meeting during the show. This is normally something to talk about in the boardroom. So <laughs> it's built, this show is built around your questions and comments, some knickknack or doodad or a piece of memorabilia I have laying around the house here. And also uh, two pieces of music or artist that I recommend to you. So uh, I want to be clear on something. This is important. I do not collect bobbleheads. I have stopped collecting things. I have too many things. That's part of what this show is about, is learning to appreciate what we got instead of being crazy consumers. I do not collect bobbleheads. That being said, here's the latest bobblehead. <laughs> Look at that. And this is a cool bobblehead. Uh, it's a cool, this is a guy named uh, 
Starlin Castro played for the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees, but that uh, and he holds a couple of records, you know, like those weird baseball records, like most hits on a sunny day in July when uh, only half the uh, stands were full, you know, because they are statistic crazy in baseball. This is a picture of him in his minor league uniform, the Smokies, which I believe are the Memphis Smokies. And there they are. Starlin Castro. It's a pretty good bobblehead. It's solid. It's a Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, CNN. Is that CNN? Yeah. CSNChicago.com. So this must have been given out on some night where they were uh, promoting um, Comcast. But there you are. I don't collect bobbleheads, but here's the latest one. All right? And it's cool because it is my first minor league. It's pretty well made. You can see it's got the little baseball in his hand. That's good. This one's all together. You see the paint on the feet, on the shoes. Very sharp. Very well put together. Not a cheap bobblehead by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know where this is made. Doesn't say. Here's the thing. I still love this bobblehead, even though when I bought it, it's already partially broke. The head's off. Nya, 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 nya. But you can just put it back on anyway. I mean, what the hell are you going to do? It's just going to sit there and bobble. But we're going to glue it on. There, that's your doodad. That's your trinket. I do not collect bobbleheads. That is my latest one. I'm going to put it over here. Now, you know what? The way it's set up, the YouTube people can't really see it. So there's no sense in doing that. Uh, it's not. Paul Whitney says, Fidel's grandson. I don't think so, Fidel. Uh, Starlin Castro is from the Dominican Republic. Uh, Tina Mike Larson said BS. I imagine you're saying that when I say that I do not collect bobbleheads, but you know what? In America, I, I could change right now. I could decide that I'm a woman for the next five minutes. You know what? And you'd have to honor that. Okay. And I could say that my pronouns are they and them. And you'd have to honor that Tina and Mike Larson. So when I say I don't collect bobbleheads, I have a right to say it, even though I now have, uh, over 20. <laughs> All right, let's get to the music. Uh, I think that this piece of music is interesting to talk about. I don't know if you'll like it or listen to it. You should give it a listen to. This is Red Foley. That's right, Red Foley. And this is called the Red Foley Story. All right? And the Red Foley Story is a bunch of hits by Red Foley. Uh, you will not recognize... Um, uh, you will not recognize uh, hardly any, the names of any of these songs. He'll understand and say, well done. Blues of my heart. God walks these hills with me. Tennessee Saturday night. Beyond the sunset. Should you go first? Jesus loves me. Just a closer walk with the old ship. How many grits? Take my hand, precious Lord. A satisfied mind. Nobody. Chattanooga shoeshine boy. Uh, there was an artist we were talking about just the other day that had recorded this uh, song as well. Um, I think it was uh, Glenn Miller. Uh, My God is Real, Midnight, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Old Pappy's New Banjo, Steal Away, Salty Dog Rag, Honey Land, Be Your Salty Dog. I'll Be a Sunbeam, Peace to the Valley, Tennessee Border, Tennessee Polka, and Hearts of Stone. Those are the songs. By the way, Old Shep was recorded by Elvis Presley and several others. Uh, Salty Dog is a song that in the 70s, when there were fern bars and bars with peanuts all over the floor, and uh, baby boomers were first starting to go to bars in, in droves. And uh, we went to those old uh, bars that were refurbished in, down on the riverfront in St. Louis, for instance. And there'd be duos up there playing folk music. Salty Dog would be a song that they played that everybody loved. 
because it's a, just a good time to jump around. Red Foley. Why Red Foley? Because uh, Red Foley I kind of had in mind when I did this show, and I had, kind of had Red Foley in mind when I said to do a Saturday night and, and originally titled our Saturday night show the, uh, uh, the Comedy Night Jubilee, Saturday Night Comedy Night, Comedy night Jubilee, because Red Foley was as famous as anyone you can think of right now in America for years because he was the host on NBC of the Grand Ole Opry for eight years, for eight years, from sometime in the late 40s into the 50s, from sometime in the late 40s into the early 50s, Red Foley was the host of the Grand Ole Opry coming to you from the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, one of the most popular radio shows before television uh, in the history of radio, in the history of transmitted entertainment, one of the most popular shows, something that people listened to that they hung their whole, built their whole week around, no matter how rough things had been at the factory or if the plow broke, you know, or if the creek rose, you know, or if you got laid off again or if the crops didn't come in, damn it, on Saturday night, you tuned in, you listened to the Grand old Opry, Red Foley hosting it. And he was an important guy in America because he gave people hope. He gave them something to look forward to and listen to. So Red Foley got f- made fun of later on by my generation. That kind of music made fu- got made fun of by my generation until after a couple of years. We went, Wait a minute, this is actually pretty good music. And we put our own spin on so much of it, as, uh, especially as a lot of the British guys put their own spin on uh, American blues. Uh, a lot of American artists then began to put their own spin on uh, American country music. And, uh, uh, you know, our own version of it. You tell me that Creedence Clearwater Revival wasn't a country country music influence band to tell me that you know um red foley was an important guy he also had a song called red sails in the sunset which um is not on his album for some reason i don't know why but if you get a chance if you want to do something for a kick if you want to kind of get outside of your uh comfort zone musically a little bit youtube red foley um see if you can find salty dog rag and his version of m-i-s-s-i-s-s-i-p-p-i I know it by Phil Harris, uh, and also Tennessee Saturday Night. Red Foley was a religious guy, did a lot of gospel music, all right? Uh, he, I think he was the guy who had to tell Hank Williams he couldn't be on the Grand Ole Opry anymore because he was fucking up so much, and it broke his heart. Uh, I listened to an interview with him one time talking about, and he was crying, talking about what a talent Hank Williams was and what a mess he was as a human being, and how they couldn't count on him and they had to uh, ask him to step back from the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, Red Foley. Okay, so check that out, man. That was America at one time. That was America at one time. You had the Top of the Pops. You had the uh, Tin Pan Alley tunes. You had Frank Sinatra and all the crooners. And then you had country music. You had swing and you had jazz. But the two big, the two big rivers of music in the late 40s, early 50s in America were American pop standards and country music. And Red Foley, just as important to American music as anybody I can think of. Now... This next one, it's kind of, uh, I got a personal story to go with it that we'll go out on tonight, okay? Uh, this is Frankie Lane. Frankie Lane. Uh, no, this is still Red Foley. I'm sorry. I picked up the wrong album. Okay. Um, there we go. Frankie Lane. You know, if there was someone over there handing me albums right now, I'd have to fire them, but I'm the one picking them up. I can't fire myself. I don't pay me anything. Um, 
Frankie Lane, they're in a cowboy hat. Frankie Lane, man, uh, was the was the uh, um, was the voice was the voice of a lot of westerns. So let just let me read you this. Frankie Lane captures the blazing drama of the old west, and some of the quieter moments too in this colorful program, because this was called Hell Bent for Leather with an orchestra and chorus conducted by Johnny Williams. Um, Frankie has chosen 12 modern ballads reflecting the period, among them some of his greatest hits, and offers them a stunning new performance. Frankie's original versions of High Noon, okay, an Academy, uh, Academy Award winner, Mule Train, and Cry of the Wild Goose, each sold more. A song called Cry of the Wild Goose, folks, sold more than a million records and got him international fame. Uh, let me see what else. Uh, other successes, The Hanging Tree, Gunfight at the OK Corral, and 310 to Yuma. He sang the songs of those are even more exhilarating. Ballads such as Cool Water. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Along the Navajo Trail. And then he, of course, uh, uh, sang Rawhide. Get him up. Move him out. Hit him out. Rawhide. Bowie Knife, One Man, City Boy. And he was the guy who sang the theme song to Blazing Saddles. Frankie Lane. All right. So, Frankie Lane is not anybody you'd run out and listen to now. You never sit around and go, God damn it, I just need to hear some Frankie Lane music. But he was a huge star. A huge star, very successful, good singer. I don't know if he's really a cowboy. Let's take a look at this again. Do you think that that was just dress up? Yeah, it kind of looks like dress up to me. All right. Here he is at the back, then we know it's pretty much dress up. That doesn't make any difference. Great singer, iconic singer. Uh, cool Water, his version of Cool Water. Don't you listen to him, man. He's a, don't you listen to him, Dan. He's just a devil, not a man. He's trying to... F- cool Water, 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 water. Um, when I was a little kid, my dad, before he put my brothers and I to bed, would sing songs to us. And man, did we look forward to that. This is when I was little, when we were living in the city. Go, sing us a song, Dad. Sing us some more songs. Right? And he would sing Ghost Riders in the Sky, and damn, did that always get us. Because that song just paints pictures in your head. Yippee-yay, yippee-yay. That, man, when I was a little kid. And he would sing Cool Water. So he would sing, our dad would sing to us at bedtime, Cool Water and Ghost Riders in the Sky. And I remember sitting there with the, a smile on my face so big you couldn't wipe it. You couldn't have wiped it off with a Brillo pad. Just listen to my dad, sing those songs. All right, boys, now it's time to go to bed. So that Frankie Lane song, Cool Water, will always mean something to me. And then his final story. Uh, My dad's dad, John Visick, is a man I could do about 10 shows about. A storied and legendary individual. Okay? And a guy who, uh, parts of him... And the way his life went really kind of resonate with parts of me and the way my life went. Um, he, um, he, for a short period of time, had his hands on the brass ring and it slipped. He was a prize fighter. I was, still am, a stand-up comic. And for a while, he was considered one of the best prize fighters around, a middleweight. It's not what the story's about. He was about 5'6". Toughest guy, not tough in the way that he conducted his life, that he could push through things, but tough. You didn't ever want to uh, get into a tussle with him, uh, even if you were twice his size. 
Jerry says he'd sing Old Man River as well. That's right. That's right. We talked about Old Man River on the show the other day when we talked about Paul Robeson. Okay, because uh, that song, of course, is from the musical Showboat. I know Hamilton, and by the way, Shirley and I got to see Hamilton on Broadway. Third row, last time we were in New York, and I'm so glad that she and I got to do that. There will always be a great memory for us. Uh, Showboat is probably uh, maybe a little more important than Hamilton dealing with race relations in America, because Showboat is about race relations in America. And, of course, Paul Robeson's signature piece, Old Man River. So my dad would sing Old Man River, Cool Water, and Ghost Riders in the Sky. So my grandpa, John, was a storied guy. Uh, storied guy. Uh, later on in life, he contracted emphysema. This was a tough guy. He had chaos like rocks. He could dance all night. We used to win dance co- contests when he was younger, we heard. Didn't take anything from anybody and didn't have to. Strong as an ox. Just 155 pounds of power. Never an inch of fat on him, ever. But he smoked, and later on in life, he contracted emphysema. Emphysema. And uh, he got very, very sick. Very, very sick. And then he was in a hospital in his last days. And Jerry, who's watching, and I, were going to go out drinking, because that's what we did. We went out drinking. Although we went drinking. We were in the city to drink, man. And we were headed down to downtown St. Louis to that whole row of bars down on the riverfront and other nightclubs as well. And we said, well, we got to go by and say hi to Grandpa John. And I may have already moved to Los Angeles or was getting ready to move to Los Angeles. So Jerry and I went down to the hospital, one of those old St. Louis hospitals built in the 20s or 30s, and went in there. And there was this once powerful guy sitting in his hospital gown, kind of withered, you know, coughing and talking to us. And I go, and I can't remember. Let, let's say that I was just getting ready to move. No, I'd already moved to California. It was my first visit back to St. Louis. He goes, so you're living out in California now, huh? He goes, yeah. He goes, I went out there. Because I hopped a boxcar during the Depression and rode it all the way out to California. So what this man was telling me was the thing that you see in the movies of like hobos and poor guys during the Depressions chasing after a freight train and then hopping on and jumping into an empty boxcar full of hay and riding it somewhere for days on end, that he had actually done it, and it's true. There was a story that one time he jumped off uh, the Eads Bridge in Mississippi River over a $5 bet, which usually kills most people, but wouldn't kill him. He was too strong, too athletic. And he told us that he rode a boxcar. He rode a boxcar all the way out to California, and he said they became friends with Frankie Lane. And at the time, I, went to, I knew who Frankie Lane was, but to me, he was just some old singer. Frankie Lane. And he, I remember him looking at me with watery eyes, and it was still that grandfather to grandson thing. He goes, now listen, listen. You ever, when you're out there in California, you ever run into Frankie Lane? You know, you're walking down the street or something, you see him. You tell him that you're uh, John Visick's grandson. You tell him you're John Visick's grandson. He'll help you out. He'll help you out. And I remember going, wow, I'm like, you know, that's not going to happen, man. Uh, and it was one of those things, I didn't think about it much at the time. I didn't think that probably it was the last time I'd see my grandfather. Okay, but it was. Okay. But I remember that that was his last reach out to me. His last grandfatherly trying to help me out, telling me if I'm ever walking down the street in Hollywood and I run into Frankie Lane to tell him I know John Visick. He says, because he's a pal of mine. I helped him out one time in a fight. Something of that nature. 
So whenever I hear Frankie Lane, I think about a couple things, okay? A lot of people, if they do at my age, think of the movie Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah, he sang that song. All right, and otherwise, you don't think much about him. But I think about my grandfather telling me that he had hookup for me in Hollywood with Frankie Lane. And my dad singing Cool Water to us when we were little boys before he put us to bed. All right? So uh, that's our show for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be back Monday. I'm going to be off tomorrow. I'm going to be back Monday, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with a whole new show, maybe another bobblehead. I don't know. Okay? And a couple of great pieces of music that I hope you guys, when I recommend these, that you just do an easy, simple thing and go to YouTube and listen to what I recommend and then get back to me and tell me I liked it, I didn't like it. What the hell were you thinking, okay? All right? Matter of fact, um, I think that's probably, for a good part of my life, the thing that was said to me more than anything else. What the hell were you thinking? Tonight, I'm thinking, happy Independence Day. I want all you to be safe. I want all you to be happy. I'm going to see you Monday. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.